This is Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. I don't know if it's a killer instinct as much as it's just continuing to do your job. Any disappointment like that is should be kept, you know, where, where it needs to be kept, which is, look, we, gotta, we, can, we can do something better about it as we go forward and, and try to make a difference as we do. We're in a different place uh, as a team. Um, and I, I, mean, I love these guys. We go to war with them anytime. I, I love this group and where we're at. Right now where we're headed, but there's no margin there. You know, we got we to gotta do whatever we can to win the next one. Live from the underground lounge at the Oyo Hotel and Casino, this is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Every Monday we're here at the underground lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We're ready for Monday Night Football. This week is going to be the Patriots and the Cardinals. The Patriots one-and-a-half-point favorites over the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm interested to see what this game's going to look like and also interested to kind of get an early scouting report on the Patriots as they're the next team that's up for the Raiders coming to Allegiant Stadium Week 15 action. Join us now on the phone lines is former NFL defensive back, our good friend here on Raider Nation Radio 920. That's Mark McMillan. And, Mark, thanks so much for your time this afternoon as always. And before we get into any football or anything, I got to get into this picture that you sent, this video you sent. You said, yeah, buddy, the chicken is seasoned and grilled to perfection for this segment for the Raider fans on my new Kong at Grilla Grills. Tell me about this chicken, man. It looks fantastic. Hey, man, it's just a little boneless, skillet chicken breast, man, that I sprinkle with my little Grilla McMillan uh, cooking with Clara spices on, man. I just got a new partnership with Grilla Grill, so I had to break into New Kong Grill last night. So I said, let me throw something in there. I know DeMar was like, he came out to the charity event that we had this weekend for kids. Uh, we raised a lot of uh, toys as well, so we still got that going on. But I just had to throw some chicken on there, man. I've been trying to get what the Raiders – tailgate scene and i'm trying to find out who's got the best wings and chicken well it looks like you do (laughs) it looks like you do brother from the from the looks of it man that i'm trying to tell you man you got me hungry man it's only the second hour of the show and now i'm all of a sudden i'm hungry looking at that well you know what let's talk about the the charity event that you had over the weekend man because i think that that's awesome giving back you never hesitate to give back you're always paying everything forward and i really can appreciate that so talk about the event that you had over the weekend that demand showed up to Oh, we had a great, great turnout, man. Uh, you know, we have race, race toys uh, for, for kids as well, so we've still got that going on. I'll get that uh, address so people can still drop off toys okay. uh, for, for people as well. We had pets out there, you know, uh, people were taking pictures of their pets as well. So it was a really good uh, good turnout, man. We had a lot of fun with it. Uh, DeMond stayed the whole time, man, and hung out with everybody, man. So I definitely appreciate that, my man. He said, I'm going to show up, and, man, he showed up before I even got there, so... Shout out to my man D, man, for showing up and, uh, you know, for a great cause. And, you know, around the Christmas time, there's a lot of people that don't have uh, toys and yeah. uh, just little things. And, you know, so, you know, just trying to be, give back and do the best that we can here, uh, trying to plant our feet here in Vegas. Yeah, Mark, I just got to say thank you for inviting me. I mean, you just sent me the flyer and said Saturday, and I said I'll be there. Showed up with a couple of balls, met some good people. Your man, Kobe Sherlock. I mean, he's a Titans fan, so we bonded nice. We bonded well, so it was just fun to be and out there. And you got there. some donuts. And you got some donuts. You got some of them pink box donuts, too. <laughs> yep, so the next time I go out there, Q, Mark said that he trains the kids at this park, that he trains them, and it's like a little sand pit, and he says he has them out there in the sand. So I might have to roll up on you and get some of that elite training next time. Hey, wow. man, all I got to say, I know you got all those muscles, man. Make sure you stretch them hamstrings out. I don't want you to pull nothing, big fella. <laughs> <laughs> that I want to see. You let me know when DeMond is training in the sand and I'm there. 
That's, a, that's all I want to see. DeMond will be done after that first rep. It's going to be a wrap, so I can't wait to check that out. Again, we're talking with Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, longtime NFL defensive back here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, Mark, I had to ask you, I wanted to ask you a couple defensive questions, then some team questions in general, but defensively for the Raiders on that final drive on Thursday night football, the Rams had to go 98 yards, no timeouts, and the Raiders were in press man coverage. Ultimately, Sam Webb gets beat by Van Jefferson for the go-ahead touchdown, the game-winning touchdown. Did you find anything wrong with that coverage that they were in on that final drive? Um, on that final drive, I thought they played a little bit too much man. Um, you know, obviously, you know, with Baker Mayfield, that was just playing into his hands. Uh, he's a gunslinger, and the faster the pace of the game, the better he is. So, you know, you got to know that as a coordinator to know that, you know, when, we, when this guy gets hot, you know, we can't just sit back there and just let him just drop dimes. And, you know, what he's able to do uh, on, what, 48 hours notice, didn't even know if he was going to suit up. He comes out. He's wearing number 17. I think that was Jim Everett's old number uh, back with the Rams. That you know, what he was able to do against that coverage was no timeouts, Q. you got to just play a little soft zone coverage. Keep those guys inbound. Uh, have your corners play outside technique. Uh, so if they do catch the ball, they tackle them inbounds, and the clock has continued to run. But if it, it, I just don't get that. And obviously, you know, it was a great throw, great catch, great catch. Uh, you know, Nate Hobbs got beat on the, on, on a uh, catch earlier, which was an outstanding catch as well. I had an opportunity to talk to Coach Yarbrough, uh, who's a wide receiver coach for the Rams. And he was like, Mac, I just got these guys so fired up just believing that all these guys are number one receivers. And, you know, they out, they went out there and played like it. Yeah, no, they did. And Baker Mayfield went out there and played like he was the number one overall pick and that he had been there the whole time. And, again, you're right. When, when, the, when the speed and the pace of the game gets going, Baker Mayfield is just going to go out there and gunsling. Because at some point, Mark, it's just, it's just him pitching and catching. He knows, he knows those kind of throws. It's not like that's a brand-new throw to him. And he knows how to make that throw. He just has to have a guy. And Van Jefferson, who was on an island with the undrafted free agent on top of that, I mean, that just put yeah. Sam Webb, I felt, in a really bad, tough situation. Yeah, it was, it was a tough situation, man. Like I said, it was a great throw and yeah. a great catch. But, you know, let's not forget, Baker Mayfield, was a, he was a top guy coming out. You know, he's a yeah. high trophy winner. You know, he, he's a guy that can get it done. And, you know, when you've been uh, kicked out twice, you know, you've been released twice as a player, man, it sucks. And you want to go out there and prove to everybody that you can still play the game. Um, you know, he looked comfortable. And what he was able to do in the second half, he was actually making checks at the line of scrimmage and going to different checks, you know, uh, against different formations. And for him to be able to pick up that playbook within that, within that time frame is, is really impressive. And for the Raiders, man, they were so close, Q. They win this game uh, last week, and then you come home and, and you play against the Wingland, who's, who's beatable, and you're right there in the midst. Because if you look at the playoff hunt, Jacksonville Jaguars are still in the hunt yeah. somehow. Right. Yep. No, they are. I mean, and look, and all, all the teams that the Raiders needed to lose, for the most part, lost. And in particular, the Jets. You know, that was a, a team that they wanted to lose. But, I mean, it, you know, you, you win the game or you don't. And they didn't win the game on Thursday night. Again, we're talking with Mark McMillan here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, Mark, I know that the Raiders, they had the lead, not so much that last play of the game where the Rams just ran the four verts and they were in man coverage. But when you have a two-possession lead in the NFL, it's – is there a certain defense that teams like to run or a certain type of coverage that's, hey, you're up by two scores with less than five minutes. This is the defense you should be playing to hold on to that lead. Um, you, you go play the defense that you started the game off with. Obviously, you make adjustments at halftime, and it seems like the last week, you know, it seems like the, the Raiders didn't make adjustments on the offensive side of the ball because all of a sudden Devontae Adams was, 
was non-existent once again, which is mind-boggling. I don't get it, man. I wish I could say some stuff I really wanted to say, but I know this is a kid-friendly show. But <laughs> you still got to play your. You still got to play the coverage that that allows you to you know be successful. Um, you can still be aggressive because Chandler Jones and Max Crosby was getting to the quarterback all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know he was stepping up in the pocket, making great throws. Uh, but you know you just can't sit back and let a guy. Uh, they just got off the plane, man, from eating peanuts on Southwest. Just go down and pick you apart on national TV. Right. Yeah, that was the worst thing is that it was on national TV, so everybody saw it. And so Baker Mayfield, the legend of Baker Mayfield, was reborn on Thursday Night Football. You know, Mark, one of the plays that happened on that final drive, Jerry Tillery gets called for the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Uh, at first when it happened, I didn't even realize. I was like, oh, man, that was a soft penalty. But then going back, I realized why it was called. That's discipline right there. How do you get a team to be disciplined? Because it seems like more times than not, the Raiders have fine ways to shoot themselves in the foot. Even Cleve Furrow jumping off sides on a punt. Yeah, that was crazy, man. And, you know, you go back a little bit further, too. You know, Max Crosby didn't show a discipline, uh, you know, on the, on the third down play. Yeah. Uh, gives them five yards. They get a first down. Uh, there were several plays uh, during that game that they just gave away extra possessions, giving Baker Mayfield more opportunities. Hiring out the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, as far as discipline, that's just losing football, Q. Um, when you make mistakes like that, that's just losing football. And those are, those are coming from guys that not used to winning. Because when you're used to winning, it's a mentality. You don't make stupid plays like that or stupid penalties like that. And, uh, you know, when I, like I said, when I first came in the league, you know, we were winning in Philadelphia. Um, even going back to Alabama, just being disciplined under Coach Gene Stallings, don't make dumb penalties at right. crucial at crucial times, especially when you're only, you know, when, when you're fighting for a playoff position and you're not a really good football team, um, everything goes against you when you make dumb penalties like that. And that's just selfish football for me. Um, you know, for guys making those kind of penalties, people like, well, it's not a 15-yard penalty. Keep your hands to yourself and just get off the field and you're good. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, that, that's another thing I wanted to ask. There's four games left for the Raiders. And, you know, going back to trying to be a disciplined team, and that's something, and you were there. You were there in training camp when Josh McDaniels was talking about not beating yourselves and un- being undisciplined yeah. is part of beating yourself. How does this team, I mean, how do you work on that? How do you work on being disciplined? Like, what, what can the coaches do if the players just go out there and they go and revert back to whatever they've been doing? Well, first of all, you got to sign better players. Um, you know, you sign guys that's used to winning. Uh, you sign guys, uh, you know, that, that, that's accustomed to not, uh, you know, losing plays, uh, costing you big time penalties at the end of the game. Uh, all, all those things go into play, man. You Like I said, uh, when you're a free agent, those things go into play. You know, when you're going into that owner's office or that head coach, you know, they know all about you already. And, you know, there's 32 teams out there. And there's a reason why uh, 31 teams didn't pick you up. You know, there, there's some reason about that. And if you're a good player – but you got to be disciplined. The coach can tell you that all he wants in the face. These are grown men. You yeah. know, if you're disciplined enough to stop at a red light, why can't you be disciplined enough at your job, you know, when it's, when everything is on the line? So, you know, it, it's a, it's a high pace game. There's a lot of stress that goes involved with it, but you got to recruit. You got to, you know, uh, sign disciplined players that's going to help your franchise, uh, win games. And you look at the team that's winning games, that's close. Uh, you look at the Buffalo Bills, they're winning tight games. Uh, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they're winning tight games. Uh, you know, even the Pittsburgh Steelers, you go, you look at what the way they play the game. They don't make, they don't beat themselves. Right. And, you know, that's what the Raiders have been doing of late on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball uh, is beating themselves. And 
I don't know what we're going to do about Carr, man. I was try- I've been trying to give him a, a, the benefit of the doubt this year, but he's continually to seem like he's not putting the, the team on his shoulder. Throw Devontae Adams the ball. I don't care what Josh is calling. I'm checking it out, and I'm hitting number 17. Right. No, number 17 has got to be involved. And, you know, you played defensive back. You played at a very high level. What were you thinking when you saw Derek Carr float that ball into the end zone before halftime? Oh, Lord have mercy. What is he doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, man? And, uh, it, it's, and he just has that, that, that Gumby look on his face, man. Like, well, you know, we'll get him next time. Like, Derek, no. I, you know what I'm saying? I need some emotions. I know you cried months ago, but I need you to get pissed off at some people. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's just not his DNA. So we're, I'm, I'm trying to pull teeth that ain't even there. Uh, right. So hopefully, you know, these last couple of games, Anything can still happen. Uh, obviously, you got the Patriots coming in town. Um, you know, they're looking to stay in the playoff race. So I know that Josh is old school, uh, his old team. So he's probably going to be excited to see old Belichick with his uh, short sleeves uh, walking down the sideline. But, man, screw that. I don't care who's on the other side, man. We're the Raiders. We're trying to get into the playoffs. And number 17 have to get the ball at least 12 to 15 times. I don't care. We, we win it with number 17 and Josh Jacobs. Mark, something that we saw, and we talked about this actually over the weekend, is John Simpson, you know, being released from the team. And it's just him being, I'll say, like, you know, he, he made a couple of mistakes. And it's, hey, you got to go. You're not living up to the standards of this new Raiders organization. But have you been a part of a team where down the season, things aren't going the way you're maybe still trying to pl- push for the playoffs, but if that's not looking likely, and then the coaching staff is just shaking up things wherever they can? Yeah, that was a little, that was, that was a little good. I don't, know, I don't know about that cut right there. Uh, you know, so I don't know if they're trying to send a message, uh, but there's a, some other guys that should have been cut weeks ago. You know, if there's this the message that they're trying to send now with four games to go, they should have sent that message out of the first couple of, of weeks when they were losing. You know, you had those same guys that you have now on the same, you know, you got some offensive linemen that's been shifting on and off, but, uh, you know, Waller's been out for a while, you know, Renfro's been out for a while, so it's it's like, man, who's going to show up? You know, I know Hollis is doing the best that he can with the opportunities that he's given, but uh, cutting a guy that late, you know, I would like to be a fly on the wall to be like, why did you release me? Because I guarantee you that brother went off when they, when they called him into that office and asked him for that playbook. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, he hadn't done nothing all season long, then all of a sudden he gets forced into action, and the next thing you know, he's on his way out. So, I mean, that, that, I, would, I would be upset about that too, right? If I was him, I'd be upset about that too because clearly the 5-8 and eight record is not his fault. He hasn't been on the field, but, you know, that's, I guess that's One the way. One thing they say, if you hurt, if you hurt, never let them see you on tape. You know, if you limping, man, you better limp, milk that thing for 16 weeks and get that check. There all of a sudden my man gets he gets thrown into action, and then he's a scapegoat. He gets cut. Right. I, I, you know, but it's, it's, a bit, it's, it's a crazy business that people look at it as a game. But at the end of the day, man, it's a business. No, it is. It is 100%. And, Mark, before we uh, let you go, I did want to ask about your former team, the Philadelphia Eagles. They continue to fly, Woo-hoo! Eagle fly. I'm so happy Woo-hoo! for Jalen Hurts. He is balling. What have you seen from that squad? Oh, my goodness. Where do we start, man? I feel like I'm on a, a Philadelphia radio station right now. I got a little <laughs> excited. I started drooping. Man, and I ain't even got no chicken on my plate, man. <laughs> uh, you know, I look at a team that's mature. Um, you know, a lot of you know speculation in the beginning of the season is Jalen the guy. Uh, a lot of people didn't believe in him. But this guy's been winning since high school. And, you know, he's got one of the best lines in the, in the, in the, in the league. Uh, you know, you got Kelsey, who's one of the best, uh, you know, centers in the league. 
You go out, you get Brown. You still got uh, Devontae, the first-round pick from last year. Yep. Uh, Miles Sanders went over 1,000 yards the other day. Uh, you know, they're playing really good defense. Uh, Darius Slay is one of the best cornerbacks in the game right now. Uh, Fletcher Cox is still balling at a high level. Brandon Graham, who tore the Kiwis last year yeah. and came back here and is playing outstanding football. So, you know, they got it rolling in all cylinders, man. And even the special teams are playing really good. Boston Scott is doing a good job in the return game, uh, catching the ball out of the backfield on third down. Uh, so it, it's hard to see any weaknesses in this team, man. And you, you always try to look for something. And it was special teams the last couple of weeks. But yesterday, man, the special teams were making big-time plays. So they're, they're clicking on all cylinders. They beat a, you know, a Giants team that was struggling. Uh, the Cowboys, you know, squeaked past the Texans. But a win is a win. Right. But, you know, the field Eagles, man, are looking really good. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, you can't forget about those guys as well. Whenever you got Patrick Mahomes, that pass he threw the other day, I was like, man, that was, that was like backyard football, what he's been doing, man. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he uh, don't care. <laughs> yeah. So the Eagles are in a good position, man, if they can just stay healthy. Um, you know, I know a lot of people saying we're going to the Super Bowl, but I know things can change quickly. So they yes. still got to go to Dallas to play the Cowboys. Uh, they still got to go, you know, uh, you know, play some other games down the road. So anything can happen. Uh, but right now, man, what Jalen Hurst is doing, he's he got my uh, vote for MVP. And if anybody uh, says anything different, uh, I'm putting him on this brand-new cone grill I got in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, I know that's right. And I, I think that he's a leader in the clubhouse for MVP. And I honestly don't even think it's close. I really don't. I mean, Jalen Hurts has been phenomenal, and I'm so happy for him. He has proved everyone who doubted him wrong, and, and the ones that didn't know and were on the fence, you know, now they're, they're riding with him. So, uh, yeah, he's got to – They uh, ride with him. Yeah, they got to yeah, give wanna, him a lot of credit for what he's been able to do and the way that he's gone yeah, about wanna, his business. Yeah, I want to give a shout-out to my guy Richard over there, Evil Pie as well, man. We, we partnered up with him uh, that we're going to do a Grilla McMillan Pizza of the Month starting in January. Nice. Uh, that's going to be benefit uh, Nathan Adelson uh, Hospice Care. So each slice that we uh, sell, we're going to donate. They're going to donate a dollar back uh, for hospice care here in Arizona. So Evil Pie, man, I definitely appreciate this partnership. And this will be my first Grilla McMillan Pizza, man. They're going to be using my infused olive oil. So I think it's going to be like a hatch chicken uh, pizza. So it's going to be pretty good, man. We're going to we're going to go. Do some really good things, and my guys over there at the Barbecue Concepts as well. They're going to be they're going to carry my uh, olive oil as well. So a lot of stuff is going on here, man, and in, in Vegas, man. I'm just so appreciative of you guys giving me that platform, and all my partners and sponsorships out there giving me that platform as well. Yeah, no doubt. Well, sign me up for a whole pie, man. I, I don't want a slice. I want the whole thing. I'm serious. I, I'm buying the first whole pie because I want to make sure that, one, it's going to go to a good cause, and, two, I just want some of the pizza as well. I'm a little greedy. So <laughs> there's that. But, uh, Mark, thank you so much, man. It's always great to catch up with you. I appreciate your time this afternoon. All right, man. I'll see you at the game this Sunday, man. Hopefully we can have some smiles on our face. But if not, man. I'm going to give out some free pizza, too, man. I'm going to tell my guy to, to do that same favor for Evil Pie inside the stadium from all my press row guys and radio guys. So, man, that's what come, I'm talking about. get that free pizza on Sunday. That's what I'm talking about. Will do. I'm going to do that for sure. There he goes. Mark McMillan, fantastic stuff. Uh, former NFL defensive back. Just giving us a little background on what he saw Thursday night from Raiders Rams, especially defensively. 321 is the time. Coming up at 330, Landry Locker, Sports Radio 610 in Houston. Going to talk to us about the Army-Navy game. My, speaking of Army-Navy, my man Vegas Jess woo, woo, just rolled in the building. 
representing Army. My man was so proud on Saturday when Army came away with that victory. My man, this is how funny it is, and we'll take a break after that. My man, I, I, I sent him a text. It was like, congratulations. I knew he was Army proud. He said, yeah, let's go get a drink to celebrate. I said, okay, cool. Guess what? I never heard from him again. <laughs> he passed out. He was celebrating so hard and, and, and excited. He done ran out. The adrenaline just ran right out of his body, and he was done. I ain't heard from him until right now, but it's all right. Army got the dub over Navy, but that game meant so much to not only not only Vegas Jess, but a lot of the nation, including myself. So we'll talk about that game coming up at 3.30. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. We are at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Monday Night Football is the spot. This is the spot for Monday Night Football. Patriots and Cardinals. I really am excited to see this game just to see what the Patriots look like as they are the next team up on the schedule for the Silver and Black. They'll be playing Sunday afternoon right here in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. So looking forward to that. Coming up in just a few minutes, Landry Locker from Sports Radio 610 in H-Town. He'll join the show to talk about the Army-Navy game. I did want to get to a couple texts, though, real quick on our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r Talking about four games left, what's next for the Raiders, what needs to happen the next four weeks, what would you like to see? And also, any other comments that you may have you want to chime in on the show, feel free to do that again. Don'tbebroke.com, text line 69187, keyword r Jason Maryland said, I respect what Mark, Millen has to, what Mark McMillan has to say. However, how is Carr going to put the team on his back if Baker got more completions than Carr has pass attempts? O-line made their D-line look like all pros without Aaron Donald. How was that even possible? And, Jason, that is a fantastic question. I think that's the million-dollar question that everyone has asked. And I remember Josh McDaniels was asked – Last week on Friday in the presser, you know, did you feel like you got conservative? And I'll say this, uh, and many people, including Ed Graney, who we talked to earlier, and other guests that we had, Amber Theo Harris on Friday, she was on the show, felt like after they scored that first touchdown, they just kind of packed it in. was like, all right, that's a wrap. We got this. There's no way Baker's going to be. I mean, that's, that's what it felt like. Now, of course, I'm not on the sideline. I'm not in the room. I don't know. But it's just what it felt like from a distance. Like, yeah, they're just camping. They're, 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 they're packing up. And Derek Carr only throwing the ball, throwing the ball 20 times. Can't happen. Devontae Adams only having three catches and seven targets can't happen. Especially when he had two targets on the first – or two catches like on the first drive or two. Whatever. You know, it's just – it was so – it was just so bizarre the whole way the game flow went. I, f- I feel like that that game flow d- didn't go the way that it was supposed to, if that makes sense. Uh, also got a text from the 510, the 5 and dime. Thank you. Don't understand Simpson being cut when Alex Bars and Andre James always end up being put on the ground. O-line evaluation has been weak since day one. Well, Alex Bars is injured. Andre James, I think, has done pretty well at the center position. Simpson was obviously a, a guy that they weren't already high on. He was a guy that was already deep on the depth chart. So he was really an example. I mean, again, like Mark said when he joined us in the last segment, it's, it's a business. So, you know, they're, they're down to business now. They're, they're doing the evaluations, and, you know, Simpson gets, gets uh, waived just to basically say, all right, here we go, we're making a move. Because he already wasn't playing. He had already been gone from starter at the left guard position to basically, I don't want to say a practice squad player, but that's what it felt like. I mean, you know, dude wasn't ever out there. And then all of a sudden he gets thrown into the mix when Alex Bars goes down, and then the next day he gets waved. So, I mean, the writing was on the wall. This was probably going, this was going to be, I don't want to say probably, this was going to be his last season anyway, and now they just uh, let him go a little bit earlier. I uh, got a text from the 707, and I guess I should have asked this when Mark McMillan was on. Hey, Q, can you ask your guest, just as he said, Carr should do what he needs regardless of the play call. How much 
Uh, can the D do the same? In other words, with that last press cover series, seeing Webb all alone, could an on-field adjustment be made by the green dot player? The green dot player would be Jerron Harmon. That's a good question. And, I mean, in theory, it sounds good to say, hey, you know, you see this, you're going to go and run this. But, I mean, you technically can't really do that. Now, I know, you know, when it comes to Derek Carr getting the ball to, to Devontae, I know Devontae is going to be in the in the mix as far as the the play calling goes. I mean, if he's read one, read two, or read three, he should always be an option, right? He should always have an opportunity to throw it to Devontae Adams, give him an opportunity. Even that interception that Derek Carr threw in the end zone, I would have been not okay with it. I don't want to sound, say like a, sound like I'm okay with the turnover, but I would have understood more if he had thrown it to Devontae Adams and he got picked off than throwing it up for grabs to Mac Hollins. That's not the guy that you just throw up to grabs when there's three guys around him. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna give a chance and and there's a possibility that you might turn the ball over, I rather 17 be the intended target than 10. And that's not a disrespect to Mac Hollins, but you just realize how good Devontae Adams is, and giving him a chance is a is a great thing. So uh, that's that's what I got for that. So thank you so much for that text. But feel free to chime in at any point six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Uh, Jason said felt the same way to me. Seems like they underestimated Baker to me. Yeah. And, again, that's Jason in Maryland on the text line. And I agree. It feels like everyone just knew that, well, Baker's only been there two days. What can he do? Well, he can go around and sling the ball around. <laughs> sling the ball around and find a way to win the game. And that's exactly what he did, 98 yards with no timeouts to lead his team to victory. And at some point it just became backyard ball for, for Baker. It just became, all right, you know, find the open guy, throw the open ball, right? I mean, that's, that's what it just felt like. And, and it's what it was. And, you know, it's really no excuse for that. The Raiders are better – they should be better than that. Their defense should be better than that. They played better throughout the whole course of the game and then undisciplined, many different decisions undisciplined-wise. And I thought what Mark said about undisciplined players was a good point. If you have guys that are undisciplined, you've got to go out and get guys that are disciplined. So when guys are free agents, you can't just look at them as, well, this is what this player does really well. How about, okay, this player does really well and he's a really disciplined player, and that's what we want. We want guys like that on the squad. That's, that's, that goes into the whole evaluation process. And I'll tell you right now, I didn't even think about that. Not one time. <laughs> didn't even think about that. Just thought about how do you get these guys to do what they're supposed to do and be more disciplined. That Jerry Tillery play, I mean, it just, that can't happen. Clee Farrell jumping off sides on a punt, that can't happen. Right? I mean, there's just so many plays that you can go back and look at and say, how did that happen? And I'll even go back to Derek Carr, and I'm not trying to pile on on him. I've never been that guy to come in and just pile on him, but – even that throw to the end zone where it gets picked, that was undisciplined because he knows better than that. So uh, we'll get back to that conversation. You can hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Four games left. What's next for the Raiders? What needs to happen the next four weeks? Joining us now on the phone lines is our good friend Landry Locker from Sports Radio 610 in H-Town. And, Landry, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And as you can imagine, with the Raiders losing on Thursday night football, I completely lost my mind on Friday, and I lost my train of thought of what I normally do, which is I got to focus in on the Heisman, and I also got to focus in on Army-Navy, and I did neither on Friday because I'm thinking about what the hell the Raiders did on Thursday night football. But luckily for me, you were at the Army-Navy game, and first of all, how awesome of an environment is that being there uh, in Philadelphia at Army-Navy? It's the best, man. Like, it really is It really is a unique experience. You don't even really have to – to know, you know, any of the players or anything like that. The the atmosphere is great. Everyone's uh, enjoying themselves. Uh, the, you you can just kind of feel like 
the whole vibe. It's a unique watching experience. Some call it boring. Uh, I kind of like seeing, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, limited passing, not, not every game, but, but seeing that. And, right. uh, it, I, I definitely like, I, I know that the term bucket list is used loosely, but I think for any football fan going to that game is a must. I agree. I agree 100%, and I'm hoping to get there at some point. And, you know, all the time I spent in Central Texas, I really got close to Fort Hood, and so I realized the sacrifices that happen all the time. And, of course, we're here in Vegas, and Nellis Air Force Base is right around the corner. But when you're in that stadium and you're around all those servicemen and you realize that what they're doing on the field is and what they mean to us as Americans, I mean, what kind of feeling do you get? Kind of, what kind of rush do you get through your body? I mean, you get you get a big rush, man, and like they're they're into the game too because they're I mean they're hopping around. I mean it's it's almost like you know watching the Cameron Crazies at Duke or something like that, except uh, they're in uniforms. They're going back and forth. They're talking trash to each other before the game with the march. Uh, armies armies like heckling Navy as they're marching, and Navy's heckling Army as they're marching. Uh, it's just it's just intense. It's uh, it's it's symbolic. It ended up being a heck of a game, one of the best games uh, that I can uh, that I can remember. And I just think it's. Uh, I think you know a lot of times some people try to like minimize the importance of football, and they try to say, you know, well, there's a, there's more important stuff and whatnot. And, and yeah, there might. I mean, sure there is, but I also think football uh, also uh, is extremely important. And games like that, uh, I think they they allow everyone to kind of come together. Uh, there's a lot of respect too, you know, like they're they're singing each other's alma mater. It's it, it's it's definitely worth going. So I think it's in Boston next year. I'm gonna try to make it out there again. Nice, nice, yeah, definitely got to make a trip to one of those Army Navy games, man, because they are fantastic. Again, we're talking with Landry Locker, Sports Radio 610 here on Raider Nation Radio 920. How about those uniforms, though? I mean, man, man. I, every year they do a really good job. I thought this year, I don't know if they could top what they did this year. Those uniforms were fantastic. Which one did you like better? Because that was the biggest talk in the press box. <laughs> uh, I was uh, gr- uh, there. There were some people from like other spots. Like I don't know. I couldn't really. I I, I think I would give it to Army. Yeah. But the Navy uniforms were nice. Were nice too. And that that's the other cool thing is that they. Uh, you know, you think like more traditional. You know, like you have the traditional Army and Navy, but the the uniforms, the helmets, all that. Like those are those were. I, I would give Army the edge. But those navy navy uniforms are really clean too. No, the navy uniforms were sweet, but I, I got to roll with the army as well, man. Those army uniforms. The reason why I thought they were the best is because I felt like they were army uniforms, right? I mean, from the color, it looked like there was uh, dirt on the helmet. It almost looked like they were there in 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 the field, right? I mean, it just I almost felt like I was in the army watching them, right? And I know I wasn't. I, they would kick me out quick, fast, in a hurry. But man, it just looked like I was right there in the setting. I mean. Navy was fantastic with NASA and all that, and, and that was great. But I got to give the tip of the cap to Army. Those uniforms were – they were second to none. I think you would at least get an honorable discharge. <laughs> I don't think you would get, like, a dishonorable discharge. I'll at least give you that. If, if you would get kicked out, that's fine. I think it would at least be honorable. There you go. Well, maybe maybe I got that going for me. Again, Landry Locker is our guest from Sports Radio 610 here on Raider Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, Landry, as someone who's never been to one of these games, what the atmosphere, but more importantly, is there a halftime show? And what was it like at halftime between the fan bases? Yeah, the, the halftime show is uh, legit. So you know how college halftimes are. A lot of times it's like 30 minutes. Uh, the, the march before, which is like three hours before, is like the best thing. Like that's that's the most uh, 
that that's the most like traditional thing. But the halftime show, uh, it's it's your, your traditional Army Navy uh, like they, they go out there, they play the the band and uh, all the marching and stuff like that. But it, it that the the best show is before it's like three hours. It's the march on. I think they did it three hours before. That's really what you want to see. Uh, but it is it is definitely a halftime show worth uh, worth watching. And so with that being said, I mean, you said, like, it happens before the game, the best part. How early, how much earlier is it? And is it, like, can you give me, like, that more, like, the band's plan, but it's also, like, the crossing guard and all that experience as well? <laughs> yeah, so, the, yeah, the, the Navy marches on. And I don't know how they stood all these people in there, but they, they take up, like, the whole field. I think it was, uh, it was at 12 Philadelphia time and kickoff was at 3. So it was, like, three hours before, but... Ooh. There's there's a lot of stuff going on on the concourse too. Uh, it's basically just like a big party. You have a bunch of like uh, retired vets and all that, and they're just they're just in the concession. They're just all at the concession stands. Uh, there's there's a lot of people having fun. But yeah, you when you get to this, when you want to get there three hours early, and then you just want to go all the way uh, through the whole game to the very end. I love it. I really do. Again, we're talking all things Army-Navy right now with Landry Locker here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And you got a heck of a game as well. Uh, it went to double overtime. That was the first time it had ever gone to overtime in the history of the game. How special was that? And I, I'll tell you this. I feel really bad for the young man, uh, Anton Hall from Navy, who fumbled at the goal line. And I saw his reaction afterwards. I never want any of those guys to be hurting like that. But, man, what a, what a fantastic game that was. Yeah, that was the heartbreaking thing. We actually got to we got to watch it. Uh, we got to go down with five minutes left. Uh, so I was actually like, uh, I was right behind the goalposts, like oh, when wow. that happened, and they happened to go our way. Like if you, uh, I was wearing like an orange jacket, so I kind of stuck out. The field goal almost like hit me in the head. But yeah, <laughs> when he fumbled there, yeah, when he fumbled there, like you could see him, and he, I mean, he was like almost like, I mean, to, you, you you guys saw the videos and stuff like that. It, you feel bad for anyone. Like if that was just like a college player, you feel bad. But you feel bad, especially there, because uh, that that's truly like the only game that that really matters with these teams. And, and a lot of times, you know, you'll hear that, and you know, you'll kind of roll your eyes and be like, okay, yeah, whatever. That it really was. And I, I felt bad for him. I don't think he's ever really going to be able to uh, forget that. Um, but man, it, it was. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't even know how that how he's going to get over that, but it was it was rough. It was yeah. it was a rough look. I was I was almost hoping that he just recovered it. I I, I got like basically talked into pulling for army because uh, um, we were in the army hotel, so I was just like, okay, I guess <laughs> sure if y'all win, I'll be happy for you. But right, uh, yeah, I, I felt bad for him. I, I I didn't want him to go down like that. No, I didn't either, man. That was heartbreaking to see to see that, especially see his reaction. Like you said to know how much that game means to those guys, those servicemen, both from the Army and from the Navy. And then another great highlight from the game was Navy completed their first pass in overtime for a touchdown. I mean, you can't really write that. There was only three completions, so there wasn't many to choose from. But the first one for Navy is in overtime for a touchdown. How good was that one? Yeah, and it was right after. So it was right after uh, Army had scored on their on their first play of overtime, too. So it was mm-hmm. legit. I actually – so. Um, I wasn't like I'm not like calling the game or anything. I actually bet on the over, uh, which was 32, and they uh-huh. had like uh, so they had they were they were tied at 10 going into overtime, and then that that one actually like hit the over. So 
uh, it was it was kind of a bad beat for them. But yeah, it was the, the back and forth, two two touchdowns. You don't you don't have a lot of offense, and all of a sudden it gets cracking right there. Uh, that was legit. I, I thought they would go for two uh, after oh, yeah. that, but they did. No, no, they didn't. That's like, I didn't even think about it like that. But, yeah, I think I was just so happy that the game was continuing. I was like, man, this is great, right? It's a Saturday afternoon. I don't have to worry about the Raiders anytime soon this weekend. I can just focus in on this game. And, again, man, I really soaked that up and, and, and love watching those two programs uh, compete. Final question for you. Following the game, about 15 hours after the game, Coach Ken – Coach Ken is out after, uh, with Navy after 15 seasons with the team. Uh, how big of a surprise was that for you that Coach Ken is now out? Man, I was really surprised, but the more you heard Navy people on the sidelines, the way they were talking about him and they, the way they were talking about like how disappointed they were, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of interesting because you know, they, they didn't like the, uh, the fact that they weren't using their, their normal quarterback more often. And I, I, just didn't, I just figured that it was just like the emotions of – you know, a, a big rivalry game and not being able to pull away. Yeah. Uh, but th- there was some clear frustration by Navy fans. And if you're ever – I mean, you guys know this. Y'all been around college ball. Yeah. Uh, if there's ever a way to get fired, uh, have a bad performance in a, in a rivalry game like that, and uh, that'll get it done. But there was, there was some clear frustration by uh, a lot of Navy with the way that they were uh, – the, the way that they were running the uh, the offense, and they thought it should have been more of a gadget package, and they weren't running their traditional offense. I, 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 I sensed some frustration. I did not sense that he was going to go down like that, though. Yeah, it surprised me to see Coach Ken out, but uh, yeah, you're right, though. <laughs> College ball. If uh, if you're not doing what you need to be doing, and there's a lot of a lot of yelling from the from the outside, a lot of outside noise, man. Things could happen and change quick, fast. And in a hurry. Well, Landry, I got to ask you, man. You're at Sports Radio 610 there in Houston. What's the hot subject right now? Is it the Texans in their draft? Is it the University of Houston, the hoop team? Uh, is it maybe free agency for the Astros? What's the hot subject right now in Houston? Who's it going to be at number one? Are they going to hold on to number one? They, luckily, they didn't mess up and win yesterday. <laughs> uh, so it's, you know, who's it going to be at one? Should they draft Bryce Young? Should they draft Will Levis? Should they go defense? Uh, that's that's kind of where we're at right now. That's the that's the hot talk. Although there is uh, some talk about you know are they going to be looking for a, their their third head coach in as many years, which I kind of lean towards yes. Uh, but it's 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 straight off season. I think it's going to be the third coaching search in three years. Does the GM get to stay? Uh, and who is who are they going to pick at number one? Because they need a quarterback. They need some excitement desperately. So who do you think, if you're in that office, man, who are you picking at number one for the Texans? I'm taking Bryce. I'm taking, I'm taking Bryce. I know the height's uh, a little bit of a concern, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Bryce Young. Uh, you get the star. You have the four, the four picks, uh, first-round picks in four years. I'm taking Bryce. Uh, this, this organization, this franchise, this fan base needs some excitement. I actually think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, and then you're still going to have some more draft equity. they got three in the top 32. Uh, so if you draft well, you'll be able to surround Bryce. And that would be, that would be my choice. I would, yeah. I, would, I would make, if I were the owner, Casario's drafting Bryce, you can handle whatever you want after that, but I'm <laughs> taking my quarterback. I got the billboard. I got jerseys in the souvenir shop, and I think I got a hell of a player. 
There you go. And you know what? You'd be getting a hell of a player. You'd be spot on with that. I don't think anyone would have a problem with grabbing Bryce Young number one overall. Well, Landry, thanks so much, my man. I do appreciate you coming on and sharing your experience there at the Army-Navy game. And sooner rather than later, i got to get out there and check out, uh, check out one of those games. And, and next time, I know I didn't catch up to you last time you were in Vegas, but next time you're here, i got to catch up with you as well. No doubt, man. Keep doing what y'all are doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, you guys definitely need to get out to that game. Trust me, you will not regret it. Uh, no, I will not. Thank you so much, Landry. Appreciate you. I appreciate you guys. Yes, sir. There he goes. Landry Locker, Sports Radio 610, does a fantastic job in H-Town. And uh, just sharing his experience with Army, Navy. And as my man, uh, Vegas Jess, is sitting there, proud uh, Army man. He's, uh, he's happy for today. Again, we were supposed to go out and celebrate that Army win. And, well, we're celebrating it today. <laughs> That's what happens when old people decide to make plans. Hey, what are you going to do, dude? Oh, let's go have some drinks. All right. We're like, remember that movie, Grumpy Old Men? We're like them cats, right? (laughs) It's after 8 o'clock, man. I got to shut it on down. I got to go to sleep. Pegleg Raider, my guy in San Antonio, he said, Q, Army Navy is incredible live. Philly is the best venue as it's the traditional home, and they put on a great show. This weekend is the first one I didn't attend since 2016, and to see the march on, etc., you need to plan on being at the gate at at least four hours before. The president, vice president, or secretary of defense attend, so security takes forever, but it's well worth it. That's my guy, Peg Leg Raider in San Antonio. Thanks to uh, him for chiming in, and thanks to Landry Locker for giving us a little bit of a preview. And shame on me for not doing a preview on Friday. That's how bad the Raiders had me thrown off on Friday. I didn't even do a preview of Army-Navy, and I didn't do a preview of the Heisman Trophy either. Shame on me. 3.46 is the time. We'll be coming back. We'll close out hour number two, live from the OYO, the Underground Lounge. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. You know it's a party when Vegas Jess, Jason, and Demi are in the building. You know it's a party when they're already in the building. Shout out to them. I want to see when Jason's going to rock the Twilight jersey, though. That's what I'm waiting to see. Oh, next home game I've been informed that the Twilight jersey will be out in full effect. Shout out to Vice Raider. Did you know Vice Raider went to... Went to uh, Adele. He took the – I used to have a homeboy back in the – where was it? Where were – where, I'm trying to remember my many stops in life, where I was at this point. I think I was in Texas when I had a homeboy that used to go out with somebody. I'd be like, oh, you got a mystery date. We used to call her the mystery date. Well, uh, uh, Vice Raider had a mystery date. He took homegirl to Adele, and I think we've met her. I think he told us that we met her, but – in the picture that he tweeted out, he put a, he put a, a smiley face over, over her face so we couldn't see her face. <laughs> so he made her a mystery. So Vice Raider, who got the, my man Jason a Twilight jersey that will be at the next home game. That's coming up on Sunday against the Patriots. <laughs> that was pretty cool. He went out to Adele and did his thing. Uh, hung out with, he hung out with Adele. That's what I always say. You know, when I go to a concert or something, I'm like, oh, I was kicking it with so-and-so. Yeah, man, you know. Me and Jay-Z were kicking it. Oh, really, were you? I mean, I was in the building. Yeah, man, that's – that's. I'll tell you. <laughs> I had someone ask me about my favorite concert or, you know, who my favorite artist was uh, that I want to go to see in concert. And for me, at different stages in my life, it was for different reasons. Like, one of my favorite concerts of all time was a Ricky Martin concert, not because I enjoyed the music, but because I, I enjoyed the environment, right? I was working that concert. I'm just saying, that was one stage in my life, though. It wasn't because I enjoyed the music. Don't get it twisted. I enjoyed the environment. And if you don't know what I mean, just go on and, go on and put Ricky Martin in, the, in, in anywhere and see who's going to hang around with him. I'm just throwing it out there. Pitbull's my guy. 
tell you right now, you see Pitbull, even, what do they say in that commercial? There's uh, thousands of beautiful women, three ugly ones. Isn't that what they say on the commercial that we run? <laughs> even, even the ugly ones hanging around Pitbull aren't ugly. <laughs> I'm just saying. So that was always my guy, too. So for me, it was always, uh, you know, it had all different reasons on why. I wanted to go to different concerts for, you know, my agenda might have been different than the next man's agenda. Just throw that out there. But uh, we want to hear from you, Raider Nation. Hit us up at 702-365-9200. You ain't got to tell us about your favorite concert or your jerseys or all that good stuff. 69187, keyword R&R. That's the text line. With four games left, what's next for the Raiders? What needs to happen the next four weeks? What would you like to see? I got a lot of good feedback, including from Big Dub Raider. He said, Q, I'd like to see Josh McDaniels more consistent in his play calling. I was the first to say he called some great games over the last four weeks. Even the Jags lost, but Thursday was atrocious and needs to be more consistent. And I'll say that was one of the things I was most excited about heading into the regular season or heading into the season in general. This new staff and this new coaching staff was, was Josh McDaniels and his ability to dial up great plays because I've seen him do so many good plays and dial up so many good plays in a consistent basis. And understand the, the situation, you know, the down and distance, the situational football. You know, I, I always go back to the game where they ran the ball, what, 63 times or whatever and threw the ball three because of the weather and how, hey, you can't stop it, so we're going to keep doing it. It almost felt like that that's what they tried to do against the Rams Thursday night. It was like, hey, we're just going to keep running it, even though that was the strength of the Rams defense was the run defense. But that was what got me excited about what Josh McDaniels was going to do, knowing the, the play caller or the, the, uh, the weapons that he had I thought, man, I can't wait to see what he gets out of this, you know, out of this offense. So that's that was going to be that is something to, to pay attention to over to the final stretch, the final four games of this season. Would like to see a little bit more consistency when it comes to when it comes to uh, you know the play calling. Uh, I had another one that I thought was a really good one. Oh, here it goes. Uh, this one's from the nine seven zero. What's good, Q? The most frustrating part about the game, like a previous caller mentioned, is that it felt like McDaniel scripted the entire game and made zero adjustments. So dis- so discouraging because we have one of the best one-two punches in the league with Jacobs and Adams, but feels like it's being wasted. I just hope they finish the year strong and get the, the prices they need in the offseason, whether that's through the draft and free agency. Thanks again for all three, all you do, what? thanks again for all you three do keep keeping me saying every week, Raiders. Uh, it must have been a text, uh, a voice to text. But I got your gist. I got the gist of it. <laughs> I, got the, I got the main parts of it. You know, Sometimes you can't really decipher the whole thing, but I get it. And, yeah, it did feel like it was just, okay, we're going to run the ball, and that's what we're going to do. And Derek, it almost felt like this. And I know Jason and Maryland will probably have a good idea on this one too. It almost felt like after Derek threw that interception in the end zone that the decision was he's not going to lose the game. Right? It almost felt like. He's not going to lose the game. He's not going to have another bad pass like that. And I'm sure that wasn't the intent. I'm sure that that was not the conversation or the thoughts that went through Josh McDaniel's mind. But it almost felt like when you see a quarterback make a really bad decision and then you see the play caller or head coach or whatever or both decide to, well, we're going to take the ball out of his hands and we're going to make sure someone else uh, has, a, has, the, has the opportunity to win this game because this guy can't get it done. And I don't think that that, I don't think that, that is the case. But that's almost kind of how it felt. So we want to hear from you, 69187, keyword R&R, what you want to see over the last four weeks. I had another one that I wanted to get to, and it was about Waller and Renfro, and I'm looking for it, and I really, man, I got to start labeling these things. If I could, I would. I just can't. Have you seen it, Damon? Is it the one from Peg Leg Raider? 
Is it on the text line? Yes, I oh, want to yeah. see what. There it is. Yeah. yeah, there it is. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, read it. Man. Oh, okay. I thought you. I thought I, you found no, it. No, my bad. I want to see what the red zone offense looks like with Waller and Renfro back, and the team put together complete complimentary football for a full game. There you go. Thank you, Pegleg. Man, Pegleg hit me up on on my phone. He might as well hit me with that one too, so I could have found it because I sure did lose it. But I knew that that was a good one, and and that's kind of going back to what I said earlier in the show. I would like to see Waller and Renfro for the final four games. I really would, just to see what they look like. And then at the end of those four games, at the end of the season, maybe you go in, into the lab and make a decision and say, yeah, this isn't what we thought it was going to be. Maybe we should do something else. Or if you see enough, say, okay, that's how we imagined what it was going to look like. Now let's build off of it. I think that that would be crucial, but it's going to take those guys to both be able to come back. And I, I don't know. We'll talk to head coach Josh McDaniels on Wednesday, and we'll find out if those guys – are going to be back, or if he thinks they're going to be back, if they're going to practice, what the case is going to be, unless they get activated ahead of time. But uh, for sure, we'll talk to head coach Josh McDaniels on Wednesday. 3.58 is the time. We're at the Oyo, the Underground Lounge. We want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. When we come back, we're going to talk about Josh Jacobs and what he'll be doing later on this week. As a matter of fact, on Friday, we'll tell you about that. Plus, want to talk about Darren Waller and his music video, Turf Toe, that he released on Friday. We'll get your thoughts on that as well. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.